A year ago, a crowd of people stormed the U.S. Capitol in a bid to seek a change in the 2020 presidential election. They were unsuccessful. Two months ago, there was a change in political control of Virginia's government in another election. There are many statements that democracy is under stage and under threat, and that may be true. But this and every episode of Charlottesville Community Engagement seeks to document the arguments had and decisions made in a complex human civilization that each of us exists within. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, eager to get on with an update about democracy at the community level around where I live. On today's show, there's new leadership on both the Charlottesville City Council and the Albemarle Board of Supervisors. Governor-elect Yunkin nominates one of former President Trump's EPA administrators to lead natural resources and environmental policy in Virginia. Another state of emergency is declared in Virginia in advance of the second winter storm to start the new year. And new legislation continues to be filed in the General Assembly, including guaranteed life imprisonment for Class 1 felonies and campaign finance caps. today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out. With winter weather here, now is the time to think about keeping your family warm through the cold Virginia months. Make sure you are getting the most out of your home with help from your local energy nonprofit, LEAP. LEAP wants you and yours to help keep comfortable all year round and offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If you're age 60 or older or have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. Albemarle County and other localities are setting up emergency warming centers as thousands in the area remain without electricity three days after a winter storm that caught many by surprise and overwhelmed tree limbs that had not yet experienced wet, heavy snow. Many now never will. Here's County Executive Jeffrey Richardson. Albemarle County was one of the most severely hit areas uh, across the Commonwealth. The storm has been very challenging to recover from for several reasons. Uh, one is the rate of snowfall from Monday morning at around 6 a.m. to around noon. Uh, we measured up to nine, nine and a half inches of snow across Albemarle County. Uh, so it was a very wide ranging storm. Richardson said Dominion Energy activated its mutual aid plan and crews from up to eight states have been on the scene. He said resources would continue to be rerouted here. Some of the mutual aid crews that were requested arrived here later than expected, and that was due to interstate blockages. And so we were hoping to get more mutual aid here early yesterday, and some of the mutual aid arrived later than, than what was expected. As of this morning at 10.15 a.m., there were just under 1,000 homes in Charlottesville without power. In Albemarle, there are still 17,296 customers who have not yet had service restored. Half of Dominion's 4,466 customers in Louisa remain unconnected, and about a third of Fluvanna County's 3,556 customers are without power. Consult Dominion Energy's outage map for the latest information. 
If you need a center or know someone who does, visit the website communityemergency.org. This is a service of the Regional Office of Emergency Management and has a list of resources, including the centers. Two mobile units have been set up today and will last until 4 p.m. for people to get water and to charge their mobile devices. These are at the Food Lion in the town of Louisa and the Giant on Pantops. In Albemarle County, centers will be open from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. today with showers, Wi-Fi, and electricity available at Baker Butler Elementary School, the Greenwood Community Center, Center and the Scottsville Community Center will both offer Wi-Fi and electricity until 6. In Charlottesville, trash pickup and curbside recycling resumed today with the regular Thursday service, but the city warns that service may be suspended on Friday if the next storm is severe enough to shut down roads. Normal residential service will resume on Monday. Governor Ralph Northam has issued a state of emergency in advance of a second storm, which is forecast for this evening. The declaration frees up more resources for public safety officials to implement parts of the Commonwealth of Virginia's emergency operations plan. This also prevents price gouging and allows department heads to waive certain procurement requirements. There's no longer a state of emergency in place for COVID-19 in Virginia, but the highest surge to date is still underway, with another 15,840 cases reported today by the Virginia Department of Health. The percent positivity continues to creep up and is now at 33.6% statewide. The percent positivity in the Blue Ridge Health District has also increased to 25.2%. There are another 366 cases reported in the district today, and the town hall that was scheduled for tonight has been rescheduled to January 10th. Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin has named a former Trump administration official to oversee the portion of the state's executive branch that implements policy related to the environment. Andrew Wheeler has been selected as the Secretary of Natural and Historic Resources. Wheeler was confirmed by the Senate as the Administrator of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in 2019 and began his career in the first Bush administration in EPA's Pollution Prevention and Toxics Office. Youngkin has selected Michael Rollband to serve as the Director of the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality. Rollband is the founder of a firm called Wetland Studies and Solutions, Inc. that helps developers in the environmental review process. According to a press release, Rollband founded WSSI to assist economic developers in navigating the Clean Water Act, Chesapeake Bay Preservation Act, and local environmental regulations. In that release, Youngkin also stated that the pair share my vision in finding new ways to innovate and use our natural resources to provide Virginia with a stable, dependable, and growing power supply that will meet Virginia's power demands without passing the costs on to the consumer. The nominations will have to go through the General Assembly. And we are now six days away from the 2022 General Assembly, and there are more pieces of legislation to review. The closer we come, the more narrow this list will be. For the full list, visit the General Assembly's Legislative Information System. There's a link in the newsletter. A bill from Delegate Terry Kilgore would terminate the town of St. Charles and incorporate its assets and debts into Lee County. Kilgore also has a bill that would allow out-of-state audiologists to practice in underserved parts of the Commonwealth, if doing so as part of a nonprofit organization's service efforts.
Incoming Delegate Tim Anderson would implement campaign finance limits, and he also has a bill requiring the Department of Elections to create a searchable campaign database. Senator Thomas Normant, a Republican from the 3rd District, filed a bill that would allow localities to apply for funds to maintain historic African-American cemeteries. There's a similar bill already filed in the House. Normant has another bill that would require people in all localities in Virginia to go through an additional 90 minutes of driver education to be spent with parents or guardians. Senator Bill Stanley, a Republican from the 20th Senate District, has several bills, including one that would require anyone convicted of a Class 1 felony to be sentenced to life in prison. Stanley has another bill that would prohibit elections officials from receiving gifts and funding for voter education programs and other outreach programs. Stanley has another bill that would limit the power of the Air Pollution Control Board to consider facts and circumstances when considering reasonability to approving variances and no longer to when making regulations. If a city reverts to a town, police officers would have the right to buy their motorcycles. Speaking of that, Stanley has another bill that would require Martinsville voters to approve reversion to becoming a town in Henry County, and they'd have to do so by July 1, 2026. The mandatory age for judges to retire would be increased from 73 to 75 from another bill from Stanley. He also has legislation that would allow the New College Initiative to provide workforce training. That's a service that must currently be provided by the community college system in collaboration with the initiative. Primitive campgrounds would be exempted from sanitary requirements under another bill from Stanley though the Department of Health could require one toilet for every 75 campers. And finally, Stanley has three other bills related to animal breeders. Senate Bill 88 would require entities that breed dogs or cats to document each animal for two years after a sale or transfer. SB 89 would prohibit the sale of unneutered or unspayed animals, and SB 90 would require breeders to offer animals for adoption before they are euthanized. That's a requirement that only currently applies to animal testing facilities. The General Assembly begins next Wednesday. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for our second Patreon-fueled shout-out. The Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, gardens, and public spaces in the Northern Piedmont. Winter is here, but spring isn't too far away, I swear. This is a great time to begin planning for the spring, and native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them Lonnie Murray sent you. Turning to local democracy now, we have two segments. In their first vote of 2022, Charlottesville City Council chose Lloyd Snook to serve as mayor for the next two years. The first meeting with newcomers Brian Pinkston and Juan Diego Wade was opened by Deputy City Manager Ashley Marshall. The person elected to serve as mayor will preside over city council meetings and may call special meetings, make some appointments to advisory boards, and serves as the head of government for ceremonial purposes and official functions. 
The vice mayor substitutes whenever the mayor is not available. Wade nominated Snook for the position of mayor. And I think that he has the knowledge of governor of governance to to um, handle this position. I think he understands the the great importance of this position. That um, the the eyes of not only the the city but you know a much broader audience will be looking upon him. But I, and I think that he understands the importance and knows what it takes to um, hear everyone's um, voice. Snook said the city needs a vision as well as a management team to implement that vision. Our comprehensive plan sets out a compelling vision for the city that I think all five of us endorse. A city of equity and opportunity where all people can thrive, a city with a rich and diverse culture where all people are welcomed and valued and respected, a well-planned city of neighborhoods with a variety of affordable housing choices, a city that demonstrates environmental and climate leadership, a government where all of our employees are respected and where decisions are made with an eye on racial equity. Snook said as mayor, he wants to lead the recruitment efforts for a new city manager who will serve a long term. In the meantime, he said the comprehensive plan has 308 different strategies, but there's no clear sense on how to turn that into an action plan for the government. He said he wants to set up new advisory committees that can provide a jumpstart on the rebuilding process. I'd like to set up similar committees to advise council and the planning commission uh, in addition to the criminal justice and Marcus Alert Task Forces and the Housing Advisory Committee a climate change advisory committee, a group to work on transit and transportation policy, a group to develop a plan for historic Charlottesville. Councillor Sina McGill had a different nominee in mind. I would like to nominate Michael Payne for mayor. Councillor Payne is very good at bringing people together across many different places. Um, I have seen him put into words clearly thoughts and ideas that are often complex and make them reachable and is someone who I know would do a very good job as well. Payne accepted the nomination. You know, we are a divided community and divided along race, class, ideology, education level, and This has been at a time of unprecedented crisis in a lot of ways. Payne said the pandemic has frayed the social fabric, but said there has been a demonstrated ability to advance public policy on council. Specific issues like implementing our affordable housing strategy, uh, creating the land bank, creating our climate strategy and implementing it, as well as small things we see every day, like recent recent calls from the community to take actions about Fifth Street. Payne said the city needs a well-functioning government and added that the city has been implementing some of its vision, such as adopting the future land use map in November and investing in the redevelopment of the city's public housing units. He said his leadership would continue that work. The selection of mayor is the vote that is the most like a reality show, with council clerk Kena Thomas reading out the names of the two candidates. The selections are Councillor Snook and Councillor Payne. Councillor McGill, your vote. My vote is for Councillor Payne. Councillor Payne. Vote for myself, Councillor Payne. Councillor Pinkston. 
Uh, my vote is for Councillor Snook, please. Thank you. Councillor Snook? No, I'm voting for Lloyd Snook. Thank you. And Councillor Wade? Councillor Snook. Snook got the nod on a three to two vote. There was only one candidate for vice mayor, and that's when Councillor Pinkston nominated Wade. Juan Diego Wade has been a fixture in this community for decades. He served um, at all levels. He has so much to contribute. Uh, he has a, a courageousness, but also a humility that um, is instructive for me. And uh, I'm grateful for his leadership in the city. And I think that he'd just make a fantastic vice mayor. And um, I hope others will vote the same. They did. Wade said he would accept the challenge. I have kind of fancied myself a type of person that works behind the scenes to help get things done and um, look at the fruition of the efforts of myself and, and others. The vote was unanimous. More on the city council meeting in future editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement. The six-member Albemarle Board of Supervisors has selected Donna Price to serve as the chair for the next year. Price is in the third year of her first term, and she was the only nominee. There was no discussion, and the vote went quickly. What sets Albemarle County apart from other local municipalities, however, has been the steady, stable, and long-term leadership of the Office of the County Executive and the County Attorney. The foresight of our County Executive, Jeff Richardson, the astuteness of our County Attorney, Greg Kampner, and the dedication of innumerable citizens and public servants. In an era of anger, and while a deadly pam pandemic that has killed more than 825,000 Americans with the death toll last year, 20% higher than average, a pandemic that continues to disrupt our economy and impact all of our lives. Albemarle County has not only survived, we have thrived. Rivanna District Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley will be the vice chair. The public also heard from new supervisor Jim Andrews, the new representative from the Samuel Miller District. He said he wants to hear from the public. I don't think I have the all the information. The board doesn't have all the information or ideas, and the public can help. So please, uh, I say be careful what you wish for, but right now I'm wishing for a wealth of great ideas from people. Supervisors also made appointments to boards and commissions. Former Supervisor Liz Palmer has been reappointed to the Albemarle County Service Authority, where she served before being elected to the Board of Supervisors in 2013. Charles Tolbert and Nathan Moore were also reappointed to that board. The new at-large member of the Albemarle Planning Commission is Luis Carrazana, who is employed by the University of Virginia's Office of the Architect as the Associate University Architect. Fred Missel, Development Director at the University of Virginia Foundation, will represent the Scottsville District, replacing Rick Randolph, who retired. Julian Bivens, Daniel Bailey, and Karen Firehawk were reappointed to their terms, representing Jack Jewett, Rio, and the Samuel Miller Districts. Before we go from the Planning Commission, Charlottesville, Albemarle, and the University of Virginia entered into a three-party agreement in 1986 that allowed for UVA officials to serve as non-voting members of the city and county planning commissions. Later this year, the Planning Commission will take up a rezoning request at the North Fork Discovery Park for a rezoning of land to the Neighborhood Model Development District, 
UVA has selected this as one of three sites where they will work with a developer to build up to 1,500 affordable housing units. The rezoning application submitted in December would see up to 1,400 units at the site, as well as a maximum of 3.7 million square feet of non-residential use. This development would span between Airport Road Drive and Lewis and Clark Drive and would utilize a completed extension of that roadway that the UVA Foundation funded. The Discovery Park is owned by the Foundation. Supervisors also delegated some of their members to boards and commissions. I'm going to spare you this part because it doesn't necessarily make for good audio. If you really want to see these things, it's all in the newsletters. However, I will extemporaneously point out some of the interesting things. Jim Andrews will serve on the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority, and Ann Malik will serve on the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority. In previous years, there's been a single supervisor who has served on both, and that position was held by Liz Palmer up until recently. Andrews will serve on the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, and Galloway will continue. There's also the Darden Tau Park. Darden Tau is a park that is jointly owned by the city and the county, and B. Lepisto Kirtley and Ned Galloway will serve as the county's representatives on that board. In the city, Lloyd Snook and Brian Pinkston will serve on that board. There's also the Regional Transit Partnership, and B. Lepisto Kirtley and Supervisor Diantha McKeel will remain on that body. In the city, they will be joined by... Pinkston and Snook. Pinkston and Snook will also serve on the Metropolitan Planning Organization Policy Board, along with Malik and another supervisor. They didn't take a vote on that. It kind of got confusing, and I'm admitting that to see if anybody got to this point in the podcast. For the full list, please do look in the newsletter. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. There's a lot of information in this one, as well as every other episode of this program. It is the one-year anniversary of January 6th, and I had been sitting in my house putting together a newsletter back then. The reason I cover local and state issues is because I really do want each and every single one of you to at least have access to the same things that I can access here at my home, which is also my studio. If democracy is threat, well, there is a potential cure for that, and that's more people understanding the mechanisms by which we solve problems as a civilization. This is a civilization, and right now there are thousands of people who don't have electricity. It's impossible to just turn on a switch and make that happen when you have things that happen during an emergency, which is certainly what this snowstorm and potentially the next one is. In order to make that work, there needs to be a functioning government. And my thought is, is that one way to get a functioning government is to have a functioning press. And of course, I have committed my life to this process, and all of these different nuts and bolts are crucial to understanding all of it. Thank you very much for being here today, and thank you for listening, and I'll be back in the near future with another one. I will save the pitches. You know how to support this program. But the main thing you can do, of course, is to always send on the newsletter or the podcast to someone else. You guys are the podcast listeners, and I really do appreciate that. You get a little extra uh, from time to time, and uh, I really do thank you for listening each and every time. If you skip one, it's totally okay. Um, There's a lot of content, but that's because this is a dynamic community in a dynamic world. And gosh, 
I'm going to do my part to make sure you know what's going on. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host. Please stay safe, stay warm, stay prepared. If you don't have candles or something to light your house in the event of a snowstorm or a power outage, uh, please uh, be good to go get that. That's actually where I'm going as soon as I finish this show. Thanks again. Goodbye. Goodbye.